ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As in the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to History of a Haunting. Hi, guys. Welcome back. I am your host, Archie Bays. I am your other host, Gary Hopper. And this week, we are taking a trip to Bavaria in Germany. We are, yes. We've got a really big, 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 deep, deep, terrifying uh, case to talk to you about um, today. But before we do that, Arch, we got to go over our EVPs. Okay. Bring, okay. It, bring it on. Bring it on. Uh do you have any that you would like to discuss? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. <laughs> Actually, Archie, what you would like to talk about is... No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, so the first thing that I do want to talk about, we're going to start promoting uh, History of a Haunting has a little side hustle. Oh. Yeah. A little, a little side bitch? A little side bitch, a little side piece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, our live studio audience, my mom, Nancy, and I are going to be doing bringing everybody a companion podcast to HOAH, which is called Sometimes People Suck. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a new true crime podcast. So we're going to be flipping the script on this one a little bit. Um, it is still a companion podcast to History of Haunting. We are here at HOAH. This is the flagship. But uh, I've always wanted to get into true crime, and I thought, well, maybe we could tiptoe. And surprisingly, my mom was like, I kind of would like to be a part of that. And I'm like, really? Wow. Yeah. like you, Ghosts and and demons and hauntings and poltergeists is not, just... Not her thing. But, not her thing. But murder and murder, betrayal. Betrayal, crime. Nice. Yeah. Heists. She loves a good heist. Oh, I love a good heist. Yeah. We're going to actually... Um, one of the episodes that we're going to be covering is D.B. Cooper. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cults. We're going to talk about cults. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we're going to be flipping the script on this new companion podcast, A History of a Haunting. Sometimes people suck. Uh, where my mother, the live studio audience, is going to be my co-host. And Archie is going to pop in and out as the live studio audience. <laughs> so we've got some, um, you know, a little bit of interchangeable uh, folks. Uh, because I, I love to talk. <laughs> I'm going to be the main presence in both. <laughs> so uh, sometimes people suck as a new true crime podcast that we are going to be bringing you. And that's going to start. Um, we're going to release the very first episode. It's going to be weekly. Uh, so the first episode is going to come out on August 5th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, really excited about that. So we wanted to to uh, kind of plug that. Um, and we will, uh, my mom and I will be recording an official promo at some point. I mean, right oh, now, today's right. June 13th. So we, 
We've got some time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I wanted to promote the new podcast, Sometimes People Suck. And um, I wanted to let everybody know that our upcoming mini episodes for the Patreons at the $5 and up level, we're going to be covering Fort Bayard in New Mexico. That's actually a listener suggestion from Koi's best friend, Cheyenne. Oh, nice. She's been there. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And she's had, she also has a, a listener experience oh. to share. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a... It's a hospital. Uh, I mean, it's a wild place. So, um, yeah. So, we're going to be covering that. So, Cheyenne, thank you so much. We love you, and we appreciate the the listener suggestion and the listener story. Cheyenne's experience was fucking insane. Oh, God. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. And then the next... Um, the other mini-episode that we're going to be covering in that same one is um, Dixmont State Hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah. So it's no longer there, um, which bums me out pretty hardcore because it's an abandoned asylum, which <laughs> I love. Uh, and I visited Pittsburgh a lot and didn't know this fucking place existed until after it was torn down in 2006. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was a little... A little irritated uh, <laughs> by that uh, revelation. Um, so we're going to be doing Fort Bayard in New Mexico and Dix State Hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The mini episodes are available to our Patreons at the $5 and up level. And the next episode comes out on June 24th. So sign up for Patreon um, at patreon.com, uh, H-O-A-H podcast. Mini episodes, early release of regular episodes, bloopers, all kinds of stuff. We send you fun shit in the mail. <laughs> it's a great time to be alive. Um, and then I also, to that end, I do want to announce our Patreon of the week is Jen. And Jen, you guys will know Jen. She is one of our guest hosts. She was with us on Haunted Objects and Waverly Hills. She is um, one of our best friends. We've known Jen since we were like teeny, tiny, little eight-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> we. Very we. Uh, so yeah, she has been a Patreon, um, of History of the Haunting podcast since the beginning, and we're very, very appreciative for her grateful, um, or no, we're grateful, she's generous. <laughs> we are very appreciative, she is so grateful that we're doing a podcast she can send us money for. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, so yeah, our Patreon of the week is Jen, and honey, we love you, and we thank you so much, and here is a standing ovation from us. Yay! So, again, thank you so much, Jen. We love you very much. And we hope you enjoy this episode that is dedicated to you. Uh, not because of any, like, personal connection or anything, but it is because uh, today we are going to cover the story of the exorcism of Annalise Michel. And it is a true story that was the inspiration for the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it starred Jennifer Carpenter. Um, I'm going to ask, go ahead and say no, but have you seen the movie? No. Have you heard of the movie? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been out for quite a long time. Like, I want to say 2005, six. Um but Jennifer and Mike watched the movie, and oh. she was like, Carrie, it's terrifying, it's amazing, you're going to love it, and I recorded it on VCR tape for you. <laughs> uh, 
Just, well, that's how old it is. That's how old it is, and that's how old we are. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> so she sent it to me. She's like, you've got to watch it. Like, she just absolutely wanted me to watch this movie. And I did, and gripped. I was absolutely gripped. Uh, I couldn't stop watching it, and then I couldn't stop thinking about it after the movie was over. It was just such a haunting, terrifying story. Um, and then I found out it was actually based on a real-life oh. woman, <laughs> and I was traumatized all over again. So, we're going to talk about the story of the woman. Her name is Annalise Michelle, and um, do want to give our, our listeners a warning uh, a disclaimer, if you will. Uh, some of the stuff that we talk about is is pretty heavy. We do go into deeply religious um, topics, obviously exorcism. We talk about the Vatican. We talk about priests. We talk about um, demons and the devil, Lucifer and Satan, and that kind of thing. So if that's not your bag, perfectly fine. Don't have to continue listening. Um, we are going to actually play recordings, actual recordings of her exorcism. So keep that in mind as well. Oof, yikes. Yeah. Uh, any prayers that you want to say? Um, I certainly have said a prayer before we started recording. Just to kind of, you know, a little bit of protection as we talk about very, very sensitive, dark topics. Um, so to that end, Arch, take it away. Oh, yay. <laughs> Sunshine and bubblegum. <laughs> I got my information from Wikipedia, allthatsinteresting.com, and Kiora.com. Hmm. It was some good clarification on there. Oh, good, good. Annalise Michelle was born September 21st, 1952, and grew up devoutly, devoutly. 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 There we go. We're, we're three we're salted white Russians. Ready in, in it. <laughs> Devoutly Catholic in Bavaria, West Germany, in the 1960s, where she attended Mass twice a week. When Annalise was 16, she suddenly blacked out at school and began walking around, kind of dazed. Though Annalise did not remember this event, her friends and family said that she was in a trance-like state. A year later, Annalise experienced a similar occurrence, where she woke up in a trance and wet her bed. Her body also went through a series of convulsions, causing her body to shake uncontrollably. After the second event, Annalise visited a neurologist who who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy. I think I spoke to Sin when I said that our listeners were going to be terrified by this episode. (laughs) It's a terrifying story told by two complete clowns. (laughs) (laughs) Totally incoherent. Oh my god. Temporal lobe epilepsy, a disorder that causes seizures, loss of memory, and experiencing visual and auditory hallucinations. Temporal lobe epilepsy can also cause Gershwin syndrome, a disease or a disorder marked by, marked by hyper-religiosity. Uh, if that's an actual disorder? Yes. Oh. According to my information. So, like... Religious fanatic, kind of? Pretty much. Oh, okay. Which would be a symptom of Gershwin's syndrome. I didn't... Wow, I guess I have a disorder for everything. I had no idea that was even a fucking thing. I'm sure there is. In June 1970, Michelle suffered a third seizure at the psychiatric hospital where she had been staying. She was prescribed an anti-convulsion drugs for the first time, including Dilantin, which did not alleviate the problem. That same month, she was prescribed another drug, Aolept, which is similar to... Here we go. Spell it. (laughs) (laughs) 
C-H-I-O-R-P-R-O-M-A-Z-I-N-E. Chloropromazine. That is what I think. I'm quite the pharmacologist. (laughs) (laughs) Which is used in the treatment of various psychoses, including schizophrenia, disturbed behavior, and delusions. So there's, there's, they there's, basically drug the fuck out of her. Yeah, they drug the fuck out of her, but with a theme. Oh, yeah. Michelle's <laughs> Michelle's treatment in psychiatric hospitals did not improve her health or her depre- and her depression worsened. Long I mean, t- sure. Yeah, no shit. Long term treatment did not help either, as she grew increasingly frustrated with the medical intervention, taking pharmacological drugs for so many years. Pharmacological. Pharmacological. Pharmacology. After her diagnosis and various <laughs> medications, Annalise enrolled in the University of Würzburg in 1973. Oh, wow, okay. Her classmates later described her as withdrawn and very religious. Now, something I didn't relay earlier in this is before any of this happened, she was popular and well-liked and very outgoing. Oh, okay. And after all of these treatments and so many diagnoses, she became withdrawn and very religious. I feel like that's not surprising. Not surprising. Not surprising. As the drugs she was given failed to help her, and as the years went on, her condition began to deteriorate. So she experienced all of this for years before the hint of possession and exorcism even was a thing. Starting correct? at 16. Okay. So okay. This, this was a very long-suffering girl. So it was... It, it, it's important to make the distinction because it, she suffered through years of this before they even got the idea that she might have something spiritual wrong. Oh, yeah. Right? They, okay. they tried the medical route, and it just wasn't working. Okay, okay. As the drugs she was given failed to help her and the years progressed, her condition began to deteriorate. Even though she was still taking her medication, Annalise began to believe that she was possessed by a demon and that she needed to find a solution outside of medicine. And this is where you chime in. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> everybody, now is the time where you take a break. You go fill up that wine glass because I'm getting ready to cover the actual exorcism and um, all of the things that Annalise experienced. So, yeah, fill up that wine glass, uh, top off that salted caramel white Russian, um, (laughs) buckle up because it isn't fun and pretty. Yeah, I know, Arch. (laughs) Generally, I pick the locations, and Arch is like, okay, cool. Um, And this one, he was just, like, the whole time, he's kind of been like, I want to do this one. Oh, it's just everything this poor girl suffered through. Yeah, and that was sort of what made um, the movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, all that more terrifying is that it's based on a real case. Um, Did they show everything or or did they just kind of keep to the exorcism portion? They showed a lot of everything. And Jennifer Carpenter, oh my god, she's... I don't know if you've seen her in anything, but she's um, the sister on Dexter. She was also, I believe, I think she was actually in um, Cloverfield? Maybe. I might be making that up. Cloverfield. Didn't we go see that when you came to visit me 
years ago before you moved here? Yeah. Yeah. I think she was in that. Was she? Who I think she was a cop. I think. Well, she doesn't have a very large role. I know, no, I don't really think that she did. But anyway, she plays Emily Rose, or the Annalise Michelle character. She's amazing in this movie. She's absolutely terrifying. And she actually got the role because she could contort her body (laughs) into terrifying positions. Oh. So there's a scene in the movie where her boyfriend spends the night with her because she's scared. And he wakes up in the middle of the night. She's not in bed. And when he wakes up, he's looking for her. He sits up and she's on the floor, kind of in a inverted crab position, looking with her head turned around, looking at him. Oh, okay. I've heard about that. With big demonic black eyes that Supernatural has made popular. (laughs) Demons on Supernatural (laughs) always have the the solid black eyes. Um, But but she was able to actually, the actress was actually able to contort her body into Into terrifying, almost inhuman positions. Oh, that's a good thing for your resume. I mean, it is. Uh, (laughs) I mean, depending on the resume. Uh, We're not here to judge. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> we are going to be right back with my portion of the actual exorcism and that whole process and all the things that Annalise Michelle went through um, as soon as we have you guys listen to a really, really wonderful promo from our very dear friends over at, I love this podcast, That Would Go Good With Vodka. <laughs> we will be right back. Hey there, I'm Erin. And I'm Heather. And we're the hosts of a weekly podcast called That Would Go Good with Vodka, where we discuss murder, mystery, and mayhem. We are based out of the lower peninsula of the Mitten State and do a lot of local stories, but are not strangers to traveling every now and then when we feel the desire to do so. We tend to be on the relaxed side of things and bring levity to darker situations at times, but... If you give us a chance, we promise that you will always leave with a little bit of knowledge and interest in a crime that you might not have known about before. That would go good with vodka. Available wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) That would go good with vodka. I just love that name. (laughs) And it's true. Most everything goes good with vodka. Mm. Mm, Yeah. Uh, For example, we're drinking salted caramel white Russians, uh, which is uh, caramel vodka, Mm -hmm. Kahlua, Mm -hmm. milk, Mm. um, and that's it. Optional whipped cream and caramel topping. Yes. Yeah. So you're supposed to drizzle caramel in like the size of the cup and then pour the drink in and then do like, I mean, I think you called it bougie. (laughs) Um, And there goes my respect for you driving away. (laughs) Harsh. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) we're about four drinks in. Four or five. Four or five. Uh, and we have completely abandoned the whipped cream topping yeah. and the caramel <laughs> drizzle. <laughs> I've got a heavy road to hoe, so I needed to be pretty... Heavy road a hoe. No, 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 no. Heavy road to hoe. Oh. I mean, hoe's in there, so but no. Heavy road to hoe? <laughs> Are you working tonight? <laughs> got a heavy road of hoe. Um, <laughs> that's another podcast. 
Stay tuned for Sometimes People Suck. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my mother I said that. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, as a recap to your part, Arch, she went through s- several years of um, uh, epileptic fits and, and things like that that no doctor could seem to kind of pinpoint or prescribe any kind of medication to help her. Yeah. Driver's Ed updates are available. You have to go to Driver's Ed? No, Driver's Ed updates are available for my computer. Oh, I thought you said Driver's Ed updates. Driver's Ed update. What'd you fuck up with now, Archie? What's your latest ticket? Okay. Um, Anyway, so... My part picks up at that point where you had said that maybe they got to a point where they were like, maybe this is not physical. Maybe this is a spiritual problem. So I'm going to detail the, oh man, the, um, the things that occurred with Annalise Michelle um, during her possession. And I got um, my information from Wikipedia and YouTube, but the majority of the information that I got was from diabolical confusion.wordpress.com. Oh, wow. Yes. Literally, pretty much everything I got from this website, this author, whose um, name is Lucifer, but spelled in the Latin, L-V-C-I-F-E-R. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, but it was... tough growing up. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, but most every thing that I got, and by most everything, I mean everything that I got, (laughs) was from this person's um, blog, basically, about the case, because it was the most comprehensive, most detailed uh, information about about what she went through from when you had started your part Mm -hmm. to... um, her death for beginning to end basically, basically. from be- beginning to end and it 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 i as opposed to looking through 19 different websites and kind of piecing together the whole story this had the whole story mm-hmm. so i really want to give a shout out to um lucifer lucifer in the latin spelling <laughs> uh who wrote for a diabolical confusion.wordpress.com um, with supporting information from Wikipedia and YouTube. Go ahead and laugh out loud. Oh, God, no, I can't. I mean, we can already hear you. Oh, there's just a lot there. There's a lot there. Um, Especially after watching the BuzzFeed video. <laughs> I mean, that's the YouTube that I, that I listen to is BuzzFeed. Uh, Archie and I actually watched that Shortly before we started recording, we're going to put that video up on our website because um, why, it's hysterical. <laughs> and <laughs> But it also has a lot of really good information that I actually didn't get from this article. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, let's yeah. get into it. Um, so, Arch, where you left off, she had pretty much given up any kind of hope that medical doctors could help her. Correct. Okay. So... Um, with regard to Annalise Michelle's newfound ailments, her mother, Anna, felt that um, this was only actually only the beginning of the new phenomena that was about to rule this family in the coming months and years. Um, so Annalise Michelle had a total of 67 
exorcisms. Holy shit. Yeah, and I think it's a misnomer that... Um, like if, one and done? One and done. That's not, that's not really not how it works. Right. Um, the very first movie that I ever saw with regard to this kind of topic was The Exorcist. And I think a lot of our generation oh, yeah. and our parents' generation, um, that was probably the very first movie. I think it came out in the 70s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mother going to see it when she was a teenager and when I wanted to see it at the age of 11. Uh, she was like, absolutely <laughs> fucking not. Are you insane? Um, I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> she'll, yeah. Now she'll be like, she was. Insane. She was. <laughs> she was. Uh, it's also worthy to note, she didn't want to be a part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I did was I snuck over to Jennifer's house. And Janice was going to let Jennifer watch it. They were going to watch it together. And I was like, oh, yeah, my mom totally said I was allowed to watch it with you guys. Oh, yeah, sleepover. Totally, yeah. Totally. She said it was totally fine. And I was traumatized forever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 11 or 12. I was, tra- I was traumatized oh, forever. Um, but I feel, and I've only seen it the one time, and I'm far away from 12 years old. Oh, my God. Now. I've seen it a couple of times. Okay, so do they do just the one exorcism, or do they do, like, a couple? Because I, I don't remember. It's, it's a series of events. Okay. Well, in this particular case, and from a lot of the different podcasts I've listened to and, and, and things that I've read, exorcisms are not, like you said, one and done. It's a, it's a number of them, because you've got to kind of wear the entity down. Mm-hmm. So... Um, <laughs> Also around this time, everybody started to notice a change in Annalise. Um, On top of the issues that she was having regarding her speech and her inability to support her own body weight, she was also having sudden onsense... Onsense? No. No, it's okay. Here we go. I fucked up a lot of words. I mean, you set the stage for me. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) She was also having sudden onsets of severe depression, like you mentioned, and excessive sorrow, which... I mean, who could blame her? Oh, really? God. Physical, spiritual, non-withstanding, notwithstanding, I'd be fucking depressed too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was actually the least of her problems. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently, one night at dinner, her mother Anna recalled a situation where Annalise's hands appeared enormous, swollen, actually. Um, to the extent that she would even claim they were almost twice their normal size. So uh, this article states to quote, anyone who has experience in these matters would not be surprised by this as the demonic are notorious for manipulating the physical world, specifically the body of that, which it possesses. So I guess at the dinner table, um, when Annalise noticed her hands, she's noted as saying, I have black hands, savior, forgive me. So kind of like, necrosis oh in God. her hand. Yeah. And, and, and other people noticed it. Yes. That's fucked up. So if you don't know, and I, I'm, you don't Archie, I'm sure, but I know what a decomposing body looks like <laughs> and it starts with that. Mm-hmm. It, it swells up and then the, the, the skin right, dies right, and it turns yeah. black. So that's starting, sort of, starting at the extremities. Exactly. Um, so that's kind of what her hands looked like. So that had to have been fucking terrifying. Um, that's just easing you fuckers in. Oh, we're just is, easing this, you in. This is the easy part. 
Yes. Um, so this was also around the same time that Annalise began to have troubling and sometimes horrifying visions. She claimed to see things, namely terror inciting visions, going far beyond the Troxler effect. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I see devil faces on the walls. They have seven crowns and seven horns. Hmm. Mm-hmm. E- yeah. Um, so... What are you looking for in my just, child's just paintings? Looking around. Seeing if... Oh, seeing if you can see devil... No. Please don't see devil <laughs> pictures. Oh. In my child's paintings. Um, <laughs> we're in a room where, like, literally every piece of art on the wall is my son's artwork. And Archie's looking around at all of it and terrifying me a tiny bit. Um, okay. In an interview on the topic, and I'm sorry if I can butcher the name... I'm going to do it. Uh, Father Andres Troyanowski. Again, it sounds Russian. No, that one's good. Oh, okay, good. Troyanowski. Sure. Uh, (laughs) He's a doctor of theology, and he's also an exorcist. He says, or he claims, rather, that demonic entities take a distinct notice of our departure of faith and closeness, closeness to God. So, he also believes (laughs) (laughs) that is why mortal sin is something which testifies to the victory of evil spirits in our lives and current times, because we don't have that personal, tight relationship with God. Mm. Um, We're easily led astray, in other words. Um, He claims that possession and such other spectacular actions um, of evil spirits is a disclosure, and that something such as a demonic spirit commits these actions because it must. Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, basically, these actions are its sole purpose. Quit looking at that clock. It doesn't work. I'm not, <clears throat> actually. Father Trojanowski. Yeah? Okay. Sound good? Da. You buy it? Da. <laughs> Is that German? Russian. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Lord. Oh, Vieter Zane, German and Russian <laughs> listeners. God. I don't even know what that was. Oh, no. Okay, here we go. So he also mentions that these demons must eventually show themselves, but they don't want to by any means. And I've heard of that in a number of podcasts, books, and things that I've read about demonic possession. They don't want you to know who the fuck they are, because then they... Then if you know Then you have power over them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So they don't want you to know this by any stretch of the imagination. Now... The demon will often go to extreme lengths to not make public any of its actions as it does not want to unmask itself. So he says, as a matter of fact, when the point has come that the demonic entity makes his presence known in the form of a possession phenomena, it's actually a defeat on the demon's part. Because from that point on, usually, I mean, obviously, steps are going to be taken to rid the afflicted of the demonic onslaught. Right, right. So the demon kind of fucked up at that point once yeah, he was right. like, oh, wait, they now they know I'm here. Um, so the night of the dinner in, or the dinner event, rather, where her hands swelled up and sort of looked like decaying. Oof, hands, yeah. Uh, do you need me to go through that again? No. What that look? No? Are you sure? Because sure. you look a little green. No, I, I, I. Can I get you to puke? Do you want me to? No, I don't. I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, her mother, Anna decided right then and there to begin attempting to contact an exorcist. She saw the amount of suffering that her daughter was going through, and she decided to um, find some form of relief or remedy 
of the spiritual milieu. Ooh. Oh, look at me with the big oh, words. Wow, you said that right. I, but I can't <laughs> say, what was the word? Designed or dinner or and. I mean, take your pick. <laughs> hey, I had the same trouble. No judgment. And with English words. I, uh, no, I, let's judge him. Let's loudly judge him. Um, <laughs> we'll have a Facebook Live in which everybody can judge us in our butchering of the English fucking language. Just kidding. Oh, God, that would be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> Send us all of your judgment. No, don't. Don't. We don't want your judgment. Okay. Um, again, I mean... <laughs> This this whole time frame of their lives was pretty fucked up. Uh, Annalise would be violently thrown down to the ground again and again. Um, she would stand up, stand up as quickly as she could, only to be forced down again. She would always pray the Hail Mary during each time that she would recite this prayer. She would be repeatedly thrown to the ground um, on her back and forced to stay that way. Uh, I can't imagine... I just, I just, I, I can't imagine. Um, she could not protect herself from these falls, so she would very frequently injure her face and head, breaking out several teeth sometimes in the process. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, uh, so her mother would spread as many quilts and pillows on the floor as she could find, but, quote, the devil is malicious, she would say. Um, so Annalise would always land just slightly off or away from the quilts and pillows on the bare ground. Um, it became such a, a, an occurrence um, and kind of accepting that she would not be experiencing comfort anytime soon that Annalise started to, um, she began to sleep on the stone floor of her home. And actually that is an occurrence that would last for three years. Holy shit. Just to kind of give you guys an idea of how long this poor girl endured this chaos. So, Father Roth, um, who was um, one of the initial priests that the family had contacted, um, he invited what would eventually turn out to be the main exorcist of the case, Father Renz, um, to accompany his prayer group just once to see a possessed girl, not Annalise, a different girl. Uh, so during this pilgrimage, uh, Father Roth's Father <coughs> Father Roth and Father Renz they witnessed a girl that was speaking in a masculine guttural voice. She repeatedly swelled up her extremities. Oh. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't enter so much as a single sanctuary to save her life, literally and figuratively. She needed to be physically calmed down, most likely restrained by her own father. Father Renz could not believe that possession could occur somewhere in which baptism was an active practice and originally thought that this was an over-exaggerated phenomenon until he saw it with his own two eyes. Ooh. So let's talk about that for a tiny minute. The actual Catholic priests thought that demonic possession and, and how it outwardly presents itself was an over-exaggeration in... What is this, the early 70s? Mid-70s? 1970s? Yeah. I mean, maybe 1570s. I can see them being like, this is a little weird. <laughs> Although maybe not. They, they thought witchcraft was real back then. Right. 
But um, one of the things that he said he would never forget was the fact that whatever was possessing this girl or oppressing her um, would physically throw her down to the ground on her back and force her to stay there where she landed for hours at a time. Um, and this was Father Renz's recollection of this pilgrimage he went to to see this other possessed girl. It would actually turn out to be something that he would see frequently with Annalise Michelle. Mm, God. Yeah. So, Father Renz, again, the main exorcist in this case, claims that he sent Annalise to as many doctors as he could once he became familiar with what was happening to her. He was constantly trying to um, see if they could find anything at all that would maybe explain some, if not all, of the different events that were occurring. In the end, it was concluded that Annalise had something, quote, similar to epilepsy, and that she would need to be prescribed medication for the problem. Mm-hmm. So again, you were saying she went to see numerous doctors, neurologists, <laughs> and <laughs> and they couldn't figure it out for years. And so now she's gone to this priest, and he too is seeking the medical advice first. And I think that's key to point out. Don't you agree? I totally agree. Okay. Um, so now, one of the requirements of the Catholic Church was that... Um, Annalise saw many psychiatrists, uh, some of which went as far as to say that it was impossible to cure cases of possession with medication, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not surprisingly, uh, when the actual court case came around, which Archie's going to get into at the end, um, it turns out that each and every single one of those doctors changed their stories when it time to testify came around. Mm, Imagine that. Imagine that. CYA. I'm telling you. I mean, that's the one thing about this case is that it is the first case of the defense of demonic possession being entered into an actual court of law. As the defense. As the defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In Sometimes People Suck, we are going to cover some cases that try to piggyback on this for bullshit reasons. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Killers will make up anything to try to get away with it. Yeah. Um, well, more to the point, the defense attorneys will come up with anything. Uh, basically, yeah. Okay. So, finally, after all the doctors had given their diagnoses and professional opinions, Father Renz decided to perform a trial exorcism on Annalise, which, um, as it sounds, it's kind of a test or a diagnostic event. Okay. Okay. Now, This article that I got a lot of this information from was fascinating because it actually included quotes from books written by Vatican exorcists. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is what one of the quotes this article included read. The title is An Exorcist Tells His Story by Father Gabriel Amorth, the former chief exorcist for the Vatican. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> some credentials right there. Right. And and the article, like, it cites the whole entire thing. 1994 soft cover, 12 edition, is been 978-0-898. I mean, he goes on. <laughs> page 77. So if you guys want to find this book, it's on page 77. Oh, Jesus. Stated that with these, quote, patients, it is prof- profitable to use euphemistic language. Profitable? Um, not in a monetary sense. Okay. But it, it, it benefits you as the exorcist. Okay. It's profitable. You, 
Makes you look good. It uh, it gives you a little bit of power over the de- demonic energy oh, okay. in, in that regard. Okay. I'm looking at it the wrong way. Okay. Focus on the topic. I'm shifting my focus. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, he continues, Therefore, we always call exorcisms blessings. The presence of the evil one, once it is ascertained, is referred to as the negativity. So that uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. A blessing sound it, it it sounds and it feels magnanimous, whereas the negativity sounds um, derogatory and it makes whoever you're talking about feel minuscule. Nice. Do you agree? I understand. And agree. Okay. I was like, well, that wasn't what I asked. Good job with big words. Thank you. Um, That's all I have for now. (laughs) Okay. We're done. And so now I mean the next four episodes. I just wasted my big word (laughs) shot on one episode. Big word bank is spent. Is spent. Anyway. (laughs) So he continues that it is also advantageous. Oh. Um, but it was written. Wow, the other ones were just off the top of my head. You're borrowing now. I am. <laughs> <laughs> he continues that it's also advantageous that the prayers be in Latin. All of this is, is to avoid um, using words that alarm and thus obtain the opposite of what is desired. There are people who have the fixation of being possessed. In these cases, we can be almost certain that they are not. So... They, they genuinely believe that they are possessed instead of mentally ill. Okay. Okay? Um, so it's advantageous that the prayers be in Latin because they don't know what's being said. Uh, if, it, the, if the person is not... Understanding... If the, per- the person won't understand the Latin, but the demon will. will. Mm-hmm. And therefore... The reasoning. Okay, I get it. I'm on board. Okay. Um, so there are people who have the fixation of being possessed. In these cases, we can be almost certain that they are not. To someone in a confused state of mind, the fact of receiving an exorcism may become proof positive of possession, and nobody will ever be able to convince them differently. Basically, they so desperately want another answer that I'm mentally ill. Mm-hmm. I must be mm-hmm. possessed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, when, I, and he goes on, Father Amorth goes on, when I still don't know the person well, I insist on saying that I am blessing them, even if I am performing an exorcism. At times, I simply give the rituals blessing for the sick. So the Catholic Church actually has a book. A contingency plan. They have, fact. yes, all about exorcisms. That's and, smart. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so... Uh, just to kind of give everybody an idea of how the priests were going and approaching this. Um, that's, that's actually, it's very smart. It's very smart because if you're, if you genuinely, genuinely believe that the afflicted is delusional saying we're going to exercise you, my child just feeds into their delusion. Mm -hmm, So they, mm -hmm. they actually, the Catholic church has sort of adopted, um, a, a, um, euphemistic language to look at you all right well it's in my notes I just said. <laughs> but thank you thank you <laughs> all right one more sip of white russian oh i'm 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 dry oh okay um <laughs> we'll pause in a sec um <laughs> priorities priorities <laughs> um so as you can you know see you arch you and i you know 
we can both we we see how the Catholic Church is approaching it, which is important in this case. It's important in any exorcism case we may talk about, but specifically. Um, so, essentially, both the medication issue and the, quote, trial exorcism slash blessings, um, they have been explained by this Father Gabriel Amorth, which um, I would like to do an episode on him, hmm. just him, and his experience as the official ex- Executioner. No. <laughs> Demon executioner. Exorcist. Jesus. Assistant president. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I said that in a blooper. I'm so sorry. LB <laughs> yeah. James, the assistant president to JFK. Um, I would like to do an episode covering get Father Gabriel Amorth. Anyway, um, now, so this man, just to give you a little bit of a background on his credentials and the book, I mean, obviously he wrote a, big, a book, but anybody could write a book. Um, this man perfor- has claimed to have performed over 30,000 ex- No! Exorcisms! Not executions! I've been watching wow. the Tudors, and Henry VIII executes a lot of people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, Do he, all of these 67 count towards his 30,000? He didn't. No. This guy was not involved in this case at oh, all. Oh. I'm just quoting uh, an excerpt from the book he wrote. Oh, okay. I was, to I was, kind of I was lay, starting to get confused. Sorry. No, there's just Father Roth and uh, Alt and Renz. That's it. This man, I'm sorry, I was just quoting a book to kind of lay explanation for Annalise Michelle's case. Okay, because I was looking at my notes and you kept... Quoting this guy, and I'm like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. I don't, I don't have that man. <laughs> I have different priests. Yeah, no. I no. have Wrens, but not this guy. <laughs> no. Um, this guy's very famous. Again, uh, I was just quoting his, his book that he wrote just to kind of lay down an explanation as to why Father Alt and Father Wrens decided to do a trial exorcism. Okay. And what that this professional exorcist calls it. Um, this guy, Gabriel Am, father, this guy. Sorry, this guy. I'm not Catholic, so I don't. This feel- guy over here, this no, motherfucker. This dude, <laughs> motherfucker over here says, <laughs> "I'm not Catholic." I hope that helps me, please. <laughs> I literally just prayed. Um, wow. I pray a lot. You don't know it. Um. Anyway, Father Gabriel Amorth, he claims to have performed over 30,000 exorcisms in his career, over 30 plus years of which he was exclusively an exorcist for the Vatican. Oh. Okay, so during um, the aforementioned trial or, you know, exorcism blessing, uh, this is where (laughs) shit really hit the fan. Oh. Yeah. Um, As a test and kind of perhaps approve itself, uh, Father Renz gave a mental command in that he, com- the command that he gave, he only thought, but he didn't say it out loud. Oh. Yes. And what he thought was a, a direct thought to the demons in his presence. He thought the command withdraw from her, say who you are. And at that particular moment, Annalise went fucking berserk. Oh. Yeah. So, apparently, the demonic entity inside her uh, began to make themselves known. 
in startling succession. Uh, so in that moment, the priest knew for certain that an epileptic, an epileptic person or, quote, crazy person simply wouldn't be able to react that way, in particular, read the thoughts of another person. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so in this particular moment, Annalise tore the rosary from Father Renz and destroyed it, which is kind of a horrifying thing in and of itself because the one of the most sacred things is the rosary. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the cases of demonic possession, the one thing that they are afraid of and can't touch, can't they can't look at, is the rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, this religious artifact in a number of executions is almost never touched. Executions? Fuck, did I say that again? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's an execution of a demon, but That's not right. really. Damn right. I mean, yeah. Okay. Fuck the patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> We're going to call them executions of demons. Oh my god. If this isn't setting us up for possession, I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, feedback. feedback. Jesus. Okay. All right, let me try. Oh. Let me try again. <laughs> why do I keep doing that? I don't know. And why do you wait so long to tell me that I did it? Oh, that's that's my problem. Uh-huh. And yours. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Okay. All right, let me try it again. One of the most... Fuck. <laughs> this religious artifact is almost never touched in exorcisms. <laughs> Unless... The thing possessing is extremely powerful. Powerful, yeah. Yes. Um, So, at this point, Annalise was no longer able to pray. And as you had mentioned in your portion, she was a very devout Catholic, going to Mass twice a week, Mm -hmm. praying every day, night. I mean, she was very devout. Or devout, or whatever you call it. (laughs) Oh, shit. I mean, that's what she got. Uh, (laughs) But it was almost as if um, in that moment a line had been drawn in the sand and a a spiritual war had been declared. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, between the possessing entities and the priests, which is often, uh, you know, the case with an exorcism. (laughs) I'm sorry I'm going to overpronounce that word just so that my mind knows I'm not calling it an execution. There goes the last of our listeners. <laughs> Jesus. So. Jesus do. I mean, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is like, I can't Jesus even help you with this. Jesus on a motorbike. Yeah, yeah, I can't even help you with this episode. So in the beginning, it, it started out as only two priests conducting um, what they called a deliverance ritual, which were uh, more or less uh, an, an unsanctioned exorcism's designed to attempt to liberate the afflicted individual. But in the end, they ended up being joined by many other priests oh. to kind of, like, amp up the power. Right. Like, yeah. Like a group exorcism. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, so after a while, the two original priests, Father Renz and Father Alt, decided that there were too many chefs in the kitchen, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. um, so they felt like it was best that they were the only ones dealing with the situation, and they requested that the others leave. 
so that they could focus. Mm-hmm. So by this point, both priests had been given the order from their bishop, which allowed them to begin official exorcisms. Um, this is very key because the Vatican doesn't just grant exorcisms all willy-nilly. Right. Um, in fact, they, they do everything that they can to avoid, avoid it. Right, really? Right, right. No, no yeah. for sure. Um, so both priests had separate authorization in the forms of written documents. And, and these written documents are, are, are I, I tried, I tried to find them. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, I mean, you can basically find anything on the internet except for any Vatican fucking documents. Right. Yeah. However, internet sleuths, much more dedicated than me, and us, uh, than us, <laughs> uh, they're not trying to slot together an episode in 12 hours. Uh, <laughs> they have found them. So, uh, uh, the author of this article was able to obtain a copy, not obtain, but find a copy of this written authorization. Um, which was a letter. It was very brief. It was on official Vatican letterhead. Wow. Yes, from Bishop Joseph Stengel. And it reads as follows, quote, I authorize Father Arnold Renz to go through with the procedure involving Anne Lisner, which was her pseudonym, right? I guess, um, according to paragraph 11.51.1. My prayer will accompany the case the whole time. I pray to God to help us. And it was signed by the bishop. Now, while it's brief, it did give the priest the exact authorization that they needed in order to conduct an official Catholic Church-sanctioned exorcism, which is important because once this permission is given, it's regarded as if the power of Christ himself is partaking in these rituals. Uh, the bishops are regarded as being part of the lineage of Christ. And um, <clears throat> since Christ gave, gave all of his disciples the power to exercise in his name, this permission, which is now required by the church, um, is designed to infuse the actual ritual with a supernatural grace far beyond uh, that which an exorcist would have on his own. It's all very well and good to be like, I'm an exorcist, and I can do this in the name of God. Right, right, right. But if you have the backing of a bishop... You've got the papers. Yes, you have the approval of somebody who has the lineage of Jesus Christ. Oh. That adds an additional amount of power to what you're doing. You and I can be like, Tater, you're fucking crazy and we're going to exercise the demons. It's all very well and good, but unless you have the actual backing of the church of your faith, right? it's very, very different. Um, So, now that they have this um, approval, and because the the bishop is considered in the lineage of Christ, it it, it infuses the actual ritual with a supernatural grace— uh, far beyond that which any exorcist would have on his own, which is due only to the authority of Christ. So there's a lot of power behind these two priests. They have the power of Jesus Christ behind them to exorcise these demonic entities out of this disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exceptionally powerful, and I'm so moved by the whole entire thing. So, 
An exorcist alone without this power of Christ has absolutely no authority. Kind of like you and me telling Tater he's out of fucking control. Um, also, my mother is going to be horrified when she finds I liken her puppy <laughs> to a possessed person. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's not uh, far off the mark. It's not, and I'll deal with her rage later. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for, you know, affinity purposes. Anyway, um, once that authority is given, watch out. Because it's basically like giving an athlete steroids. These Catholic oh. priests are powerful in and of themselves. Right. But once you infuse them with the authority of Christ, I'm not a Catholic, but I wouldn't mess with those fuckers. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to call you fuckers. <laughs> oh my god. But everything is just Santa up, if that, you know, helps. Santa on steroids. I mean, <clears throat> I do believe in Santa. <laughs> <laughs> so. <clears throat> Once I got the official authority from the Catholic Church and uh, got that Christly boost, uh, Father Renz and Father Alt convened in Klingenberg, Germany to begin a strenuous and intense schedule for exorcism. Again, this woman went through 67 exorcists, oh. exorcisms. Jeez. Yeah. Um, the first attempt... <laughs> And I'm not going to go through all 67, so everybody calm down. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> During the first attempt at the exorcism, Father Renz performed the Roman Catholic ritual. And quite honestly, to his surprise and shock, the possessing demons began to speak immediately. Oh. Yeah. Um, on their own, without provocation. They didn't even have to be asked. They just started being chatty Cathy's. <laughs> uh, so naturally, I mean, you know, they had questions. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> so they began to interrogate these entities, attempting to find out what happened and why they were there. Like, why are you here? Of all the people, of all the, what, what is your fucking point here? <laughs> So they ask questions like, who are you and what are your names? Um, all of which are actually extremely important in the exorcism ritual. Uh, because again, you got to find out who you're dealing with to know how to expel them from a... Exactly. Yeah. Uh, through these questions, they were able to ascertain that there were actually six major possessing demons. Demons. And I'm going to stress that word. Six demons. Possessing Annalise Michelle. And they are Judas Iscariot, who was the man that sold Christ out for 30 pieces of silver. Right. Lucifer. Do I need to tell you who that is? Do I need to tell our listeners who that is? <laughs> it's not the hot guy on the fucking Netflix show. <laughs> Damn it. I know. He's really. I mean, that's, Luc <laughs> that's Lucifer's trick. Uh, <laughs> Adolf Hitler. Oh, yeah. Is anybody surprised that he's in hell as a demon? Not as a tortured soul, but as a fucking demon. I'm not. Are you? No. No. Uh, Nero. Do you know who Nero is? Rome? Yes, he was the uh, emperor of Rome who was rumored to have fiddled while Rome burned. Okay. Yes. And Cain. Of Cain and Abel. Oh. Yeah. Oh, slain, well, fun. slain his brother. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good times. And the fallen priest Fleischmann. In the 15th century, this individual was a priest, and he, I mean, uh, to wrap it up in a neat little bow, he acted very unpriestly, and now he is in hell as a demon, if that gives you any kind of indication. Fleischmann? Fleischmann. So, you know, maybe don't buy, uh, don't buy the butter. <laughs> anyway, these were the six demons. Again, Hitler, who's fucking surprised? I, I love the BuzzFeed video. <laughs> right? I mean, it's... Shane. Shane. Oh, Hitler. I'm Skeletor. <laughs> I can't think of any other evil guys. Um, <laughs> anyway, these are the six that um, voiced that they were part, they were who was possessing mm, this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one tiny little girl. Yeah. I, 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 again, I have so many more questions. Well, Why six of you? Was she that fucking devout and powerful? That it to took six of some her. of the heaviest hitters. The heaviest hitters had to fuck with her that hard. This seventy at that point, I'm probably seventy or eighty pound girl. Uh huh. I'm sorry. Satan himself needed a fucking help. How devout and powerful was this girl? That might have been. Might have been a slow week in hell. I mean, or you know what? I'm not going to egg on Satan. I'll just continue. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So. Now, uh, I am going to say at this particular point, Archie, yes. and to our listeners, I'm going to issue a warning. Because what I'm, we are about to play here now in the episode are the actual recordings of the exorcisms of Annalise Michelle. Uh-huh. One recording. Um, uh-huh. These recordings are shocking. Uh, <laughs> and you may find that you don't actually want to listen to all of it. Uh, frankly, I don't blame you. Um, and by you, I mean the listener. I'm going to make Archie listen to all of it. Uh, <laughs> Archie's like, well, fuck you very much. Yeah, well, I'm used to it. Yeah. Uh, they're spoken with a very distinct, um, guttural, violent, hate-filled... To me, it sounds very inhuman, this voice. Well, and to the benefit of the BuzzFeed episode video they had captions they did have captions um we don't have captions uh i actually feel like it's more authentic without the captions because it's um open to interpretation it's open to interpretation um and i really feel like you just need to listen to it to kind of get an idea to get the feeling yeah um there are sounds that may make you cringe and, um, so I'm just kind of giving you a warning. If you do not want to listen to the recording, um, please go ahead and fast forward from this point. The recording does last about one minute and 20 seconds. I am going to play it now and I want to get your opinion, Archie, as soon oh. as we're done. So, okay. uh, if you don't want to listen again, uh, uh, it's about one minute and 20 seconds. I'm not going to be 
So, was the demon responding in German or yeah. Latin? In German. Okay. Yeah, so the priests are speaking to the demon in German, which is an interesting... It's interesting that you, you point that out because the priests were speaking to it in German or... It, because I thought they would speak to it in Latin to suss out anybody fucking around. Right, which is what Father Amorth in his when the the section in the, in the in the test exorcism did. Right. Okay. Um, but I don't speak German. I I mean, I heard, Germany is an up and coming listener for the podcast. So oh, if okay. there are some German listeners, I mean, I don't want to throw any holes in this, but no, but we should because that's kind of the point of the whole entire case. Why Why wouldn't the demon speak back in Latin? Right. Um, I took Spanish in high school, so I have no idea. But the the video that I recorded that from, it had the German words and then the English translation. Mm -hmm. So of course, you know, I'm American. I'm only I'm only concerned with what's American. <laughs> so I only paid attention to the American translation because I'm stuck up and stupid. Um. <laughs> well, no, I I only asked this because in the last last portion of it, I heard. And the demon voice, nine, which is no. Right. It, it, and it is. I mean, I can show you the video, and I'll, I can even actually put the snippet of the YouTube video up on our website so that our listeners can hear this exact... I mean, it's a 10-minute video, and that was just a minute and 20 seconds oh, of shit. it. Um, also, it's one of nine. Oh, shit. There's about 100 <laughs> minutes of uh, uh, recordings of her exorcism. Oh, okay. Um, but, yes, it's a very good point. They're speaking to the entities in German um, and is replying in German. Whereas, when I read about Father Amorth, he said, we, mm -hmm. we tend to do it in Latin, which is the initial, original language of Christ. Right. was Latin. Um, uh, At the time. I, I, I'm sure it's changed. I mean, let us know if we're wrong. Because I'm pretty sure we are. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Southern Baptist, and I believe you're an atheist. So, please, let us tell you how the Catholic religion works. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, now, given that recording, talk to me about your impression of the tenor and the pitch of the voice that you hear. Because we've watched the BuzzFeed video. We did. We saw Shane's depiction of, it sounds like a girl making a funny voice. That, to me, does not sound like a girl making a funny voice. 
Um, no, I don't know. Uh-uh. No, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds yeah. very inhuman to me. But it's, it's also in a foreign language that I don't understand. This is true. I'm on the other side of the fence because... Are you on Shane's side? I'm on Shane's side. It's not Latin. It's not Latin, for sure. It's not Latin. It, it, but it, it was... I'm not asking about the language. I, I'm asking I about I the voice. The voice... I mean, there are voice actors that can do voices that are uh, indistinguishable from their normal speaking voices. I mean, Seth MacFarlane, shout out. Right. I love that man. <laughs> uh, but, okay, this is not a voice actor. This is a early 20s girl in the 1970s in Bavaria. Who could have had a very promising career as a voice actor. I don't know. But knowing her, you just did her history. Yeah, she's very religious. And we've talked about schizophrenia and true many true. things. And the fact that these people are coming to do an exorcism is probably reinforcing her mental illness, which we did touch on as well. True. I don't yeah. know. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to get into here. Okay, so you at least, at the very least, admit that it's not just black or white. She's fucking mentally ill. Oh, no. Okay. No, no. Okay, that makes me happy. There's... I I swear to God, we are Shane and Ryan of (laughs) both. It's ridiculous. There's so many gray areas that we can get into and dissect and talk about for hours. Uh, for sure. For sure. And I am going. I'm going to say that I am unconvinced. Okay. At this point, with That's the fine. information I've been provided. That's fine. I mean, obviously, you're totally wrong. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, feedback. All right, Shane. Okay, you got All right. it. All right. <laughs> I mean. I've just, I'll try not to blow spiders on you. Right? Oh my god. <laughs> Your diehard skepticism is exhausted. <laughs> That's what Ryan says. Anyway, it is, it's not important. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I mean, the words are, they're distinctly guttural, they're violent, um, they're hate filled. I will link to this specific. Uh, recording in on our website. Oh, good, good. Um, it is a ten minute. It's one of nine recordings, but it is it's this recording in and of itself is ten minutes. Anyway, uh, it made me cringe. I, I don't know. Did it, it's it's it's. Did weird. it make you cringe? I mean, it's a little, it's a little kind of. <laughs> it's. It's definitely odd. It's definitely odd. Anyway, so. By this point, Father Alt had virtually no support from his peers, either in the country or anywhere else in the world. Oof. Yeah. Um, outside of the bishop and the priest assisting in the Ritual Romanum of 1614, which is the actual, like, exorcism, like, Bible of the Catholic Church. <laughs> I did put so much heavy American accent in that title. <laughs> uh, and I apologize, um, but 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 basically he was alone in this. So it's important to keep in mind that um, this was a, a, it was a time when religion was on the decline. It was the early seventies, mid seventies, very early in the decline of religion. Yes, decline of religion, but science was on the rise. 
mm-hmm. uh, psychiatry, mm-hmm. psychology. Um, so Father Alt was, he was under a lot of pressure from the scientific community because that was when it was like, if I can see it and touch it and smell it, I can believe it. Right. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads into my portion. It really does. Coming up at the end. It really does. Um, so they wanted to give these kinds, these types of cases, some scientific constect, constect, the fuck is constect? We'll, we'll add it to the dictionary. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, we should come up with an HOH we, dictionary. We, should, we need our own. Yeah. For a sure. Dictionary. Dictionary. A dictionary. A dictionary. A, a dictionary. A dictionary. <laughs> Oh, oh my shit, God. my drink is dry again. Oh, here God we go. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just about done. Nine more pages. <laughs> You're such a fool. I'm kidding. It's 17. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please stop scaring the listeners. <laughs> and that's my job. Scaring the listeners right. is my job. <laughs> Carrie has 45 more pages. Um, so, they wanted to give these types of cases some scientific context. Ah, explanation, and, oh God, here we go, categorization. Oh, nice. I did it. You did it. First try. did it. High five. Okay, here we go. Um, unfortunately, (laughs) because I don't have a happy ending in any of my stories. My portion is always downhill. Um... (laughs) For anyone who has actually witnessed this phenomena firsthand, and I don't actually know how many of our listeners have. I know I haven't. I haven't. Have you experienced an exorcism? Oh, every other night. How about an execution? Oh, every other night. Oh, well, well then you should just carry this whole episode. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's all in my brain. Oh, nightmares. <laughs> all right, we'll talk about that in another episode. Anyway, for anyone who has actually not experienced or witnessed this phenomena firsthand, you just don't feel or know how seriously legitimate the occurrences like this are, which is fair. Um, now, on recorded occasions, Annalise claimed to see the demons jumping around and dancing on the floor in front of her, tormenting the priests. She even asked them, the priests, uh, if they could see them, and of course they couldn't. Do you see that? Do you see? Do you see that motherfucker over there? No, yeah, I'm pretty sure she left out motherfucker. Oh, probably. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was just as intense and... Scheisser! Scheisser! What is that? Shit. Shit. Uh, shit, shit. Do you see that? Oh. Oh, okay. See, no, uh, maybe you should me. do this part for me, because, I mean... <laughs> I, I literally I have no German concept what it, whatsoever. Anyway. Sorry. <sighs> me of sorry. Course. <laughs> Please don't talk in a demonic voice because I will fucking stab you in the head with a knife. Alright, I'm contemplating. No, stop! Shut <laughs> up! Anyway, her eyes at times would literally become, quote, black and fiery, filled with an abundance of hate and rage. Oh, I can do that too. I, I, <laughs> I've seen people who are so enraged. That their pupils dilate so wide that they do look like their eyes are mm-hmm. black. Yeah. Um, anyway, this was a peculiar, peculiar, I love the word, in this whole, this whole thing, the word peculiar. Is peculiar. It's just peculiar and it, it, 
Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> God. So this was a peculiar time for those around Annalise. <laughs> I mean, it's not normal, but it's not abnormal. Um, it's peculiar. Um, because her activity became even more strange. She had chosen to begin sleeping on the stone floor, which I mentioned earlier, in the dead of winter. Mm. To atone for the sins of, quote, wayward priests and drug addicts. She would also engage in such activities as eating spiders off the floor, licking up her own urine, and the smell of burning feces would accompany her. Because we all know. Um, I mean... What? Burning I feel like that was a, a prank in the 80s. At least that's what uh, the, oh, horror movies of the 80s depicted, that that was a prank. Lighting a bag of, bag of dog, dog shit, shit on, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. on fire. Uh, I, I really actually don't know. I do know, however, the smell of dog shit in an Arizona summer. <laughs> so maybe it's the same thing. Probably not far off. I mean, probably not far off. Uh, maybe a little smokier, as oh. they say in the BuzzFeed episode. <laughs> Anyway. A little hickory. A little, oh. <laughs> Why are you trying to ruin bacon for me and fucking barbecues? I have to ruin everything. I mean, thank you. That's what I'm here for, right? I mean, if that were the case, this podcast would not be that successful, so you're a failure. Oh. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, God. Damn it. So, it gets worse. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, in addition to eating spiders off the floor and licking up her own urine... <laughs> She would frantically and fervently tear at her own clothing, scratching her skin, and oftentimes leaving herself completely nude. Now, her mother recalls one night at dinner, the chair that Annalise was sitting on was suddenly ripped out from under her by some unseen force, and Annalise jumped high above the chair, which was a feat considering that she had trouble supporting her own weight and walking properly. Mm. Um... That's a big truck. I have no rebuttal or (laughs) comic (laughs) reply. Um, (laughs) When Father Roth had arrived, he had uh, with him a bottle of normal tap water and a bottle of holy water from San Damiano. I feel like that's important to say. I don't know what that is, and the article didn't explain. Oh. But it was holy water from San Damiano. San Damiano. Yes. (sighs) Shields around us. Okay. So, Annalise took the bottle of holy water and threw it at him. However, and this is is where I get excited. Um, The bottle stopped mid-air, mid-momentum, but only for a moment and then fell to the ground with apparently no velocity, as if it were just wafted on a leaf on the wind. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's just sort of floated, you know. Uh, Another another unnatural event occurred when Annalise was standing in the hallway of her home. Okay, fuck this. This is awful. It's just creepy. Uh, She had kicked kicked a cup full of water as if she were punting a football. And the cup flew across the room. But not a single drop of water spilled, even after the cup landed and rolled around for a bit on the floor. Whoa. The water stayed contained in the cup. 
Now, there was a family friend, Ms. Thea Hine, who um, actually testified in the trial. Uh, she was one of, she was a family friend, and she was one of the first to actually notice the change in Annalise. Way back in 1975, before all of the exorcism stuff started to happen, she took Annalise on a pilgrimage. Um, oh, well, on they were while they were on this <laughs> pilgrimage, she noticed that Annalise was physically unable to drink the holy water from the spring. Oh. Yeah, she was also physically unable to walk past an icon of Jesus Christ. Uh, she did not believe that the doctors who had diagnosed Annalise as an epileptic were correct based on the symptoms she had observed, uh, and basically she got the ball, ball rolling on getting the church involved. Uh, at one point, which is, this point is terrible, of all the points in the world, this one's awful, mm. uh, at one point, Annalise said to Mrs. Hine, I am Annalise, and I will go for your neck and tear it apart. Oh. I'm sorry, what the fuck? That's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, then she struck Mrs. Hine in the head violently and had to be physically restrained. Oh. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, maybe there's something not right about this child. Hmm. Mm. Uh, now, Annalise Michelle did have a boyfriend named Peter, and... In the depiction of her, or in the the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose, uh, Emily Rose also had a boyfriend who was a really along the lines of um, Carolyn Perrin. Really just fucking stayed with it, even though shit got way crazy and physical harm came to them. Um, Annalise Michelle had a boyfriend that loved her so much he was willing to be put through anything to stay with her. Um... Okay. Oh, oh no. Mm -hmm. No, Archie, shut up. <laughs> now, he was constantly involved, this Peter, in most of this process. Uh, he would often drive by the house, whether it was expected or not, to spend time with her. Um, even though, for the most part, she couldn't talk unless she was blaspheming or raging out, there is one event which he recalls... Tater is not having any of this. Oh, no. No. He's, he's in the other room asking, I mean, asking to be let in let, your mom's Yeah, room. let me out of here. Um, <laughs> even for the most part, Annalise could not talk unless she was blaspheming or reading out. There is one event that he recalls where Annalise suddenly grew stoic, stared at him, uh, and said in a clear, unimpeded voice, I am of stony heart. Uh, you're hmm. looking at me kind of quizzically, but I'm going to be real honest. I've had a lot of boyfriends tell me that. <laughs> and they weren't possessed by a demon. They were just dicks. So. I, I, I am of a stony heart. Mm. Uh, anyway. Also, it is worth noting that on many, <laughs> many occasions. Oh, no. Many, many occasions. Uh, Annalise was physically abusive to both her sisters and her boyfriend Peter. Uh, she would violently throw them onto the floor and assault them uh, on some occasions literally from dusk until dawn. Uh, that sort of begs the question why did they allow it? But right. if she did possess some sort of superhuman strength maybe they couldn't get away. So Quite literally, invisible forces would throw Annalise up against one wall. Now, one wall. Now, um, do you remember in the very beginning of my portion where that one priest was like, I witnessed 
this girl and, and she was thrown through the ceiling to the floor to the walls back and forth like to the ceiling to, to the, the window wall. to the wall yeah and nothing like that yeah no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no nothing like that anyway oh, uh, but do you remember when I talked about that one yes. priest yes mm-hmm. okay so <laughs> this and he said that this is something that he would witness with Annalise in the months and years to come so he did witness invisible forces throw Annalise up against one wall, then slam her into another, then back again over and over again. Her face and head were full of bruises in various stages of healing, to the point where her skin was either very dark blue or black. Uh, her eyes were so swollen that she could barely see anymore. Her teeth were broken, as I had mentioned earlier. Nope. Um, her teeth were broken and chipped from her multiple attempts to bite at or eat the stones from either the floor she slept on or the walls of her room. Oh. What drives what drives a person to do that? Desperation. I, I mean, I guess. I mean, that's the only thing I can come up with. Either, yes, either demonic possession or mental illness. I mean, this case is it's, it's very fascinating. Oh. If you're a paranormal fan or if you are a true crime fan... Either way, this is a very fascinating case. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot. Yes, there's a lot to take in. So, um, her body was literally so damaged that she was hard to physically recognize. And, Arch, I... I kind of debated back and forth if we should show on our social media. You know, every week when we have a new episode release, we we show pictures. Mm Mm-hmm. I've been sort of debating whether or not we should um, show pictures of Annalise Michelle as she was before all of this, and then as she was right before her death. I'm I'm going to err on the side of not no. showing the after. Mm. Just just because for one, people can look it up on their own if okay. they're so interested. All right, so there's that. Okay. And for two. They don't have the luxury of not looking that up if we share the pictures. Okay, that's true. Okay, that's true. All right, you're right. Okay. All right, so we will not be showing the pictures of Annalise uh, in the days and, or in the months and days before she died. Um, as, like, Archie, Archie makes a very good point. Um, if you would like to see it, you can look that, that up. Um, and quite frankly, some of the photographs might actually Instagram and Facebook and Twitter might block us. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, all yeah. the more reason. All the more reason. Okay. Okay. Um, now, there were many situations in which Annalise was like night and day. A specific event comparison would be the night before Ascension Day. Now, in this evening, Annalise smashed her head through a window and the window frame in her home. Uh, well, on another day, she was praying from sunrise to sunset. Oh, God. So it, would, it was almost kind of like the demons were controlling her and then kind of letting her be. Almost maybe taking a fucking nap. A, re- a break. A break. We need a break from We need a break. I mean, girl. like, this girl is too strong, and I'm just very tired from making her, oh, throwing her against the wall. So, there was literally no way to predict what type of day it was going to be with her. Uh, so her poor freaking family, oh my god, uh, the attacks were known for being completely random. 
You just uh, never knew what you were going to get when you woke up the next day. Oh, God. Yes. So, her mother, Anne, tells an event that completely changed the entire flow of this entire story. Now, it was a Sunday that the mother vividly recalled. Uh, Annalise and Peter had decided to go for a walk in an area not too close to their home called Paradise Mill. Now, they drove there, but when they got out of the car on the side of the road, Annalise's condition was very, very bad, and it actually seemed that they might not be able to complete the walk as they had hoped, um, because, again, she had trouble supporting her own weight. Right. Yeah. Um, She was almost to the point where she could not physically speak. She couldn't walk without assistance, and she needed help standing upright. At that moment, it was just her and her boyfriend, Peter. Something happened that changed Annalise. She claims that Mary, Mother of God, appeared to her. She claims that herself and Mary began to walk side by side for quite a bit of time. During this walk, Mother Mary said to her, quote, My heart suffers so much because so many souls go to hell. It is necessary to do penance for priests, for young people, and for your country. Would you like to do penance for these souls so that all these people wouldn't suffer in hell? Hmm. So, the boyfriend, Peter, was there during this time, but he didn't see Mother Mary. Some speculate because he was not gifted with the same grace that Annalise had earned through her spiritual suffering, i.e. all the possession. Right. Like, at this point, the Virgin Mary is coming in to intervene. Mother Mary also asked, would you like to do penance for the souls that would be damned for eternity otherwise? Wow. Essentially, she gives Annalise a choice. Continue with this torment to save other souls, or end it now, to the detriment of your own. Oh, that's heavy. Mm-hmm. Wow. So her boyfriend, Peter, stood by and watched as Annalise immediately kneeled and began praying. Suddenly, out of nowhere, Annalise had jumped up. She began running again with no pain. Again, this was a girl who couldn't support her own weight. Right. Uh, he realized then that something must have happened because until that moment, Annalise couldn't even stand unassisted. It was at this moment that Annalise's vision ended. When he brought Annalise home, she ran upstairs and said, Mom, Mom, look at me. I can walk again. Jump. Dance. Mother of God has appeared to me. Wow. So the mother, Anne, first thought that Annalise had finally gone mad. Uh, she was reassured by Annalise, um, her, her insistence that what had happened was in fact real. Uh, she repeated it several times with not so much as a single detail changing. Annalise told her mother that what Mary said, um, about what Mary said, um, in regards to the damned and Anne asked where Peter was. Annalise had told her that he was still sitting in the car in the garage sobbing and crying because apparently his emotions had, had overwhelmed him. I can believe it. A little bit, yeah. Fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and apparently the boyfriend, Peter, he had indeed been moved by this experience that he had witnessed in the park with Annalise. Just the two of them. Uh, he is said to be a very unique person uh, in the sense that again, <laughs> like I joked a minute ago, Uh, He had stuck with Annalise through everything, through every stage of the nightmare. He supported her. He did whatever he could to help. He knew every detail 
about what was going on, and he still decided to stay with her. Wow. Uh, Even though this could have been a breaking point for him. Uh, yeah. A, a, a breaking point for anybody. I mean, well, I think yeah. I pretty much established in the Conjuring episode, uh, you come after my man, have him, I'm not even going to try to fight that. <laughs> not that I date a lot of demonically possessed people, but I'm not a loyal person, apparently. Oh. <laughs> I, I, it is what it is. <laughs> anyway, I think these are some seriously strenuous circumstances. They, Would you stay really with somebody are. through all this? Or Carolyn Perrin? I don't know. Because seriously, in this kind of situation, I think I would be the one that's affected. <laughs> so I'm wondering uh, if people would stay by me. Okay. In this well, situation. in that case, yes, I would stay by well, you. Well, yeah, and I would stay by you, but I mean, we really, we really have to Ay, This is really opening up a bunch about, of shit. Yeah, that's a bunch of shit. Oh, God, one more sip. Oh, okay. Cheers, Clink. Cheers, Clink. Yikes. Cheers to Jesus. Anyway, so, again, he knew every detail about what was going on with her, and he still decided to stay. Now, what makes it even more sad is that they had both been planning a future together, both before and during this demonic stage. They would have eventually married had events not taken such a sinister turn. Um, spoiler alert, it doesn't end well, as Archie already alluded to. Or Archie spoiled that alert already. I have that coming up. Yes, you do. Um, uh, even while these were events were still occurring, both of them believed that one day this would all come to an end and they would both move on with their life. Happy ever after. Yeah. Um, so at her Annalise's home in Klingerberg, uh, he witnessed everything that has been documented. He was part of it. Um, some believe that he may not have understood that Annalise was suffering so much in the same way that Jesus Christ had in the past. Now, Annalise had actually told her mother that she would have three days of peace, but in those three days, she must come to a decision to either accept or reject the question which Mother Mary had given her. Needless to say, her mother, of course, was frightened by the idea that her daughter would suffer for the salvation of so many souls. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's, it's, it's just a lot. Um, her mother felt that... It's a lot. Her mother felt that it was an enormous and insurmountable task. And she had consulted... She had obviously consulted and talked to Annalise's father to let him know about all of the details as well and to fill him on... Fill him in on what had happened. Um, Now, the mother spent literally all of this time with Annalise, who spent all day of the three days either kneeling um, or standing before the cross, praying, um, uh, and and at one point told Annalise that she shouldn't say yes and accept the proposition. Um, And Annalise revealed that she had already intended to Accept it. To do the thing. To do the thing. Um, She said, quote, I can, Mom. If I don't do this, it will be my fault. So many souls will go to hell. They will be damned for eternity. I will be guilty. I I kind of would do the same thing. Yeah. 
Um, so her mother felt that um, it was a terrible burden to be placed on such a young girl who had already suffered so greatly, which as a mother, it's just, it's just difficult. It's horrible and difficult all around. Now, on December 31st, 1975, the demons had to leave, which I say that because oftentimes during an exorcism of a series of exorcisms, the exorcist will ask the demons for the exact time and date of departure, marking when they will leave, mm. which is interesting mm-hmm. um, because uh, I, I, I don't know. I find that interesting. The demons are like, okay, on December 31st, 1975, we're going to bounce out of this joint if you can keep it up till then. Right. Time's up. We got to go. We got to go. I, I, I don't, but that's beyond my ken. I don't, I don't get that. Um, and I admit that I don't get that, so I'm going to make fun of it because I'm ignorant <laughs> and stupid. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> these are often, the dates are often lies that are told, and they are tactics employed to delay the departure, but more or less the dates and times are accurate for the most part. In okay. general, we're going to bounce out of here before 78 rolls around. Right, right. right. Okay. This date was revealed through the mother Mary However, oh yes, as Annalise claimed to hear Mary say, "quote I will come and expel them" during their conversation. Um, on that day, Father Renz and Father All addressed the demons by stating, "quote They have to leave now. Mother of God is ordering." The demonic forces attempted to delay to to delay that as best they could. They were no longer answering as sharply as they were before. Uh, as a matter of fact, the priests were actually surprised that the demonic spirits were so sluggish, almost as if, quote, paralyzed. Hmm. Uh, quite frankly, I would probably cower quite a bit and shut my mouth entirely if Mother Mary addressed me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have, I have and to... I'm not a demon at all. I swear to God. <laughs> And I am not religious at all, mm-hmm. but if I were to have a vision of Mother Mary come and tell me something, uh, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to stop talking a little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I'll shut my mouth. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, they did the normal growling, purring, uh, etc. from within Annalise, but not a whole lot else. Um, you, I played the recording. They were very chatty. They were very mouthy. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, very proud of themselves. Uh, yes. Uh, you, we didn't speak German. We don't speak, but you could tell that in the inflection and the tone that oh, they yeah. were just kind of like, how about you go fuck yourself? Yeah. No. No. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Uh, goodbye. Um, so they were German, uh, New Yorkers, apparently, apparently. According, according to us. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> now, not previously faced with the subtle opposition, uh, the priests were sort of confused and apprehensive. So Father Renz said to them, quote, leave. You must leave. I order you to no avail. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a pause, the demonic spirits, spirits responded by saying through Annalise, we won't leave. Bitch, I told you to get the fuck out. 
We got squatter's rights. <sighs> yeah. So, again, the demonic spirits began growling. So, from time to time, they added some other comment. Mm, yeah, other comments. But ultimately, the priests waited to see what would happen. Father Renz gave a special order this time to be absolutely sure the spirits would leave. He ordered them to say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord of thee. To let him know they were gone. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, because he knew that the Virgin Mary, the Mother Mary, was there with them, um, Father Renz told them that they would all be praying to the Mother of God, including all the demons within Annalise. He commanded them to greet her and all present, all present, all present, <laughs> Jesus, and all would have a present. Yay! Uh, yay! No, and all present would sing the hymn Magnificent. Now, normally, it would be very hard, if not impossible, for a demonic possessing spirit to recite words such as these, that is as it is horribly painful for them right. to experience based on their intense hatred for the love and grace of God. I mean, they would just jump in a car like that and ride right off. Right? Not these guys. So, it, religion in general, they're not fans. So, it goes against everything they exist for, and it goes against their entire existence. Um, which is basically the same sentence, but whatever. Now, <laughs> the priest began to sing, and no more than, <clears throat> excuse me, the priest began to sing, and no more than two lines into the hymn, the demons began screaming and shrieking in pain and terror. In that horrible, inhuman voice, like on the recording I played, mm -hmm. she is coming, she is coming, they had cried. Uh, I'm not going to play the recording again. I'm only going to play... I'm only, only going to show the recording uh, on our website, also with part of the BuzzFeed that we're going to play. Right. right. Um, but I'm not going to play it again in this episode. So, the priests claimed that, quote, their hair stood on end and that they had never encountered anything like this before. They had never heard this degree of despair and torment emanate from the demons within Annalise. Now, keep in mind, they had done 67 fucking exorcisms on this woman. Right. And this is the first time they had actually heard the demons sound uh, aggrieved and in pain. Now, um, they seemed to be in genuine turmoil and torment. All at once, the priests dropped to their knees to greet Mother Mary as she arrived. See, seeing their weakened state, Father Renz asked the demons... Which of you will leave first? After a slight pause, first to the answer, the first to answer was the fallen priest Fleischmann. Convinced he would not get a butter. I'm kidding. <laughs> butter? Fleischmann's butter. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're terrible. Terrible. Also, we have no internet. Cool. I should have my son shortly. <laughs> After a slight pause, the first to answer was the fallen priest Fleischman. He had to say who he was and why he was damned to eternal suffering in hell. So it's not enough to be like, get the fuck out, but it's like, give me your name and why do you suck 
beyond the telling of it. Right. I mean, it was like further <laughs> embarrassment. I kind of think that's amusing and uh, apropos. So, the voice said, I am damned because I, because I, I've dealt with my priestly duties so bad. The priests say, who are you? Judas? The voice says, no. The priest says, Fleischman? The voice says, yes. I have to leave now. Priest. To hell? The voice. Yes. Priest. Do you know what you have to say? The voice. Yes. Priest. Son and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. And the Holy Spirit. Give us the sign. I must get a sign of you leaving. Son and the Holy Spirit. Give us the sign. The voice then said, Ha! 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 Hail! Mary! Full of grace. Priests, it was a sign. This one has left. He said, Hail Mary, full of grace. It was the fixed sign. So, after this seemingly successful exorcism transcribed above, um... Because after Fleischman, then they did the same exact thing with Nero, with Cain, with Hitler, with Judas, with Lucifer. They did it over and over and over again. So after this seemingly successful exorcism, when the Virgin Mary came and actually cast these demons out of her, Annalise stated, and can be heard on a recording saying, I'm completely free now. Completely free. It's so wonderful. Completely free. So, Father Renz was searching for the closing prayer to, in effect, offer a sense of closure to thank God when startling new revelations were made. After only about ten minutes of prayer, it was revealed that some demons were still present within Annalise. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, the demons screamed, we want to leave, but we are not allowed. What? So there were more in her beside the si- besides the six. Holy shit. Now, it was at this exact moment that the priests who were flabbergasted. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, because they could not and would not begin to understand. Um, they all acknowledged that this was indeed something different and highly unusual. Okay. Duh. (laughs) Uh, They weren't sure if they made a mistake or where or what the mistake was. But um, there was a lot of people that looked at this as a defeat in the physical world. Um, Some took this as a final victory in the spiritual warfare that Annalise was engaged in. Now, if you'll remember what the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, said... Basically, you need to suffer so that other souls don't go to hell. So she essentially got rid of the worst of the demons who were just doing it. For shits and giggles? Yes. But left behind others. The entrenched. Sorry, I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand either, Siri. It's really fucked. you bring up a good point, Siri. It's super fucked. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) So, 
Several years after all the events of all of this, uh, Father Alt did state that he believes that despite the remaining demons who wanted to leave but couldn't, this may have been because Annalise accepted Mother Mary's proposal that some demons were bound to Annalise, bound Annalise because of this. Um, ultimately, nobody knows what happens happened for sure. There are no definitive answers, uh, with some demons being allowed to stay. At the time of her death, Annalise had many wounds, bruises, cuts, scrapes all over her head and face, as well as, like I mentioned earlier, broken teeth from all the time she attempted to bite stone and eat it. Um, also slam her face into floors and walls. Before her death, the priest had asked a doctor to give her drugs to ease her suffering. He refused, claiming that he had no idea how a possessed person would react. He said, he claimed to have said, quote, there is no injection against the devil. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. But during her examinations by a doctor, they noticed what they described as stigmata markings on her legs. Do you know what the stigmata is? It's where the nails were placed. On Christ. Jesus on the, yes, right. Um, so they noticed what um, looked like stigmata markings on her legs. Now, her mother, Anne, also recalls noticing this as well, with the markings first appearing on her feet and then days later on her hands as well. Uh... The mother claims that the wounds on Annalise's feet were severe, while the ones on Annalise's hands were also very serious, but were not quite as severe. Now, at this time, Annalise was tormented demonically literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was no respite. There was no form of rest. People who had seen her had seen Annalise claim that she, to herself, looked extremely emaciated and frail. It was revealed that at times she would eat a banana or she would shout for someone to give her something to eat. The priests witnessed Annalise gobble down food at times as fast as she could and as much as she could. And they recall even on one occasion where she drank two liters of juice. Uh, they actually believed it was these binges that were keeping her alive and claimed to have never thought that she would die of starvation. Now, there were moments where the demons would not permit her to eat. Mm-hmm. As she mm-hmm. said that she was not permitted to eat. Yes. But on those moments when she was, she this did. is what she did. Oh, she yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Fuck Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, the priest also claimed that she had been like this for over a year and had previously returned, quote, to normal. I didn't find what that meant, but I'm assuming just, you know, I don't know, no, normal. <sighs> I mean. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot to look into here. There's so much to unpack. So much. There's so much to unpack. Annalise claimed that, quote, something will change in July which was not very far off when she made these claims. So, on July 1st, I'm going to I I am going to kind of tiptoe onto your notes, but <clears throat> on July 1st, Annalise Michelle died in her sleep. 1976. Yes. The priests were not there at the time and did not believe that she had actually passed away. They requested that Dr. Roth go to the home and confirm that this was indeed the case. 
The family then called their family doctor, and when he arrived, he pronounced Annalise dead. Then, as was obligated by law, informed by the public prosecutor's office that he could not say in good faith that her death was the result of natural causes. The autopsy report stated that the cause was malnutrition and dehydration due to being in a semi-starvation state for almost a year while the rites of exorcism were performed. She weighed approximately 68 pounds or 30 kilograms. She suffered broken knees due to continuous genuflections. She was unable to move without assistance and was reported to have contracted pneumonia. I'm going to end my part with this. The author of this article that I got like 98% of my information from says that what's shocking and even frightening to me to some degree is that even now, and as of this article, which was written in 2007, uh, her mother, Anna Michelle, claims to still be dealing with the presence of some wicked entity in her home, though nowhere near to the degree that Annalise did. She claims that whatever is, quote, left over from when all of that happened, and that even though weeks or months will go by with no signs of a present, every so often, something will happen, just to remind her that it's still there. So, uh, to that end, Archie, why don't you tell us about the case? Because this case, the parents and the priests were found negligent in the death of Annalise Michelle. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about the trial? Okay. The state charged Michelle's parents and priests Ernst Alt and Arnold Renz with negligent homicide. The state recommended that no involved parties be jailed. Instead, the recommended sentence for the priests was a fine, while the prosecution concluded that the parents should be exempt from punishment as they had, quote, suffered enough, which is a criterion in German penal law. Oh, okay. The accused were found guilty of manslaughter, resulting from negligence, and were sentenced to six months in jail, which was later suspended, and three years of probation. It was a far lighter sentence than anticipated, but was more than requested by prosecution, who had asked that the priests only be fined and that the parents be found guilty but not punished. The church approving such an old-fashioned exorcism rite drew public and media attention. Yeah, according, according to many, the case was labeled a misidentification of mental illness, negligence, abuse, and religious hysteria. Yeah, you know, um, I've actually found the newspaper article, I think, in London um, that had been published the day of the start of the trial. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and if I can, I will um, I'll link that to our social media, but I will definitely link that article to our uh, website. But it uh, in the article, it says that the bishop of the Catholic Church, the prosecutor said that the bishop of the Catholic Church that authorized the right, which, if you remember... <clears throat> That was key in, in, in performing the official 
Catholic exorcism. Mm -hmm. Because again, bishops are considered to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. If they sign off on it, it's basically like saying Christ... The bishop is like, I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> bye bye. Um, but it, it it basically says if the bishop of the Catholic Church signs off on this, it's it's it kind of bolsters the exorcism, right? Because you you have Christ's backing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the prosecutor in the case, I did read in this article from 1977 when she died. It's 76 when she died. Right. Maybe it was 77. Because it was when the trial began. But anyway, um, the prosecutor said that the bishop had no idea that um, (laughs) that he had no contact with Annalise or her parents during the whole 67 exorcisms. Right. Um, He also was not aware that she was under medical care. Which is interesting to me. And convenient. Because, exactly, because the, we're going to put the BuzzFeed article or the BuzzFeed episode on our social media, and in it, yes, Ryan and Shane, they're fucking hysterical, I laughed my ass off for a big long while watching the episode because Shane is just so Shane. (laughs) And by that I mean Archie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Archie's skepticism is also very exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, um, they do take a moment to talk to an actual uh, official exorcist within the Catholic Church. They and do. I, I, thought, I found that part of the video interesting. Um, and, and helpful. Very helpful. Because in it, he says that the very last resort is exorcism. Right. So it's interesting to me that this prosecutor claims this bishop was like, I had no idea she was under medical care. Really? Because um, you're kind of the last line of defense. So wouldn't you have required proof that every medical option had been exhausted before you signed off on an exorcism? Very much my point. Yes. Very much. Because, I mean, it needs every avenue has to be explored mm-hmm. and exhausted yeah. until you resort to an exorcism. Yeah. And according to all the research we found, yeah. they did. They did. So, I mean, maybe it's the prosecutor lying. Maybe it's the Vatican being like, wow, this ended horribly. And we want uh, we no want, part. Yeah, we no want part. no part. <laughs> uh, which I... I Surprising. Chocolate. I'm not Catholic, so, I mean... Although, I do know a lot of Catholics who are kind of like, the Vatican's kind of fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um... I thought what was interesting in this case was that a lot of the doctors um, ended up uh, retracting their statements about what they diagnosed her with. Or what they prescribed or what they prescribed yes i thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. as well yeah um i <laughs> uh i i did find it interesting that in the autopsy of annalise michelle they found that her brain showed no signs of any mental illness disease or defect it was a perfectly right. healthy brain. There was nothing in it, even at the microscopic level, to show that she had 
any form of epilepsy or that there was any trauma to her brain that would cause epilepsy. Right. I mean, usually there's lesions or right. something. 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 But they found nothing. They found nothing. Um, they also found... Um, apparently, it's very common in the victims of... Um, death due to starvation, it's very common to find ulcers on their skin and in their stomach. Mm, mm-hmm. And the autopsy mm, found none of that in Annalise Michelle. Yep, none yeah. of that either. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Um, aside from the general fact that this is the very first case of demonic possession being used as a defense in a court of law. It's very intriguing. It's very intriguing. Very. It's very intriguing. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of wanted to touch on some of those those points. Um, we certainly hope that you have enjoyed this episode of History of a Haunting. It is, it's, it's one that Archie's been dreading for a while now. <laughs> um, and it's one that I, I was kind of scared to get into the actual, like, real-life case of um, a movie that I find fascinating and I'm wholly terrified by, which is the exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, and then when I, I started reading the the full story that it about Annalise Michelle, um, I became even more terrified because to me, I, I genuinely believe in demonic possession. I believe that that is, um, I, I, I believe that's, a thing. I believe that 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 can happen. Um, I am of the faith, whatever you want to call it, uh, that (laughs) if you believe in God and his story and the Bible and Jesus Christ and the Holy Mother, then you you believe in Lucifer. You believe in the devil. You believe in Satan. You believe in in demonic entities. Um, And I think that uh, we've covered a lot of, of, of those examples in this podcast. We're 36 episodes in and and I think that we've covered a lot of those examples. Um, so it does terrify me. I will never watch The Exorcist again. <laughs> I will never look at pea soup the same and I will never eat a pea. Uh, <laughs> um, at the same time, um, at the I do. At the same time, there's me. There's Archie. And there's me who thinks that Mental health gone unchecked. Yes, absolutely. Can lead to horrible things. And anyone suffering from mental, I don't want to call it mental health disabilities, but it's, uh, I mean, you, it's, need, it, it, you need someone to advocate for you if you cannot advocate for yourself, such as Annalise Michelle. She was unable. Or unwilling, unwilling yeah. to get the help that she may have needed to resolve this problem without resorting to the church. Okay, that's true. I, I'm. Uh, that's it's true. Just, it's just it's it's horrifying to me that something of this nature happened. But then, okay, so then I have to ask you, like, then what is your Response when her autopsy found no evidence of starvation or epilepsy in 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 the forensic and pathology. I I I agree. That is 
Weird. Weird. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, okay, so the BuzzFeed that we saw, they it's, it's very poignant at the end where they say this case remains unsolved. Right. Which, uh, literally, I, mean, I have yet to find a BuzzFeed that they've solved some shit. Well, no, I mean, it's literally titled... BuzzFeed Unsolved. BuzzFeed Unsolved. <laughs> but, I mean, like, their whole goal is to try to solve some shit. They have yet to solve it. And, um, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like this is is a polarizing um case and I feel um I don't know. I I certainly pray for the soul of Annalise Michelle and I um oh, one of the things that I they said in the BuzzFeed uh episode was that one of the priests was it Father Alt or Father Ren, I can't remember. One of them, a doctor had come forward and said that he had felt like the one priest had suffered from schizophrenia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just so many, like, loose ends and, and, and questions. Yeah, definitely. Um, for sure. For sure. Um, in the end, I believe that she was possessed. I believe that she was possessed by many. Um, I don't think that I will find anybody... That thinks I'm insane for thinking Hitler is a fucking demon in hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, pretty sure most of us agree on that. But um, <laughs> I think uh, it's a fascinating case. And I genuinely believe... Um, I'm kind of like Ryan on BuzzFeed. I, genu- I, I, I get the prosecution side. Um, once my child started eating spiders, I wasn't. I'm not going to take him to a priest. <laughs> uh, licking his own urine off the foot. N- no, I mean Leia does that, and I want to take her to the fucking vet. What's wrong with her? <laughs> Why is she doing this? This is not normal. Um, <laughs> but um, I, like you said, there's there's questions. There's, there's there's questions. There will always be questions. Will, yeah, and yeah. we will never have answers. Never, never have answers. Uh, to that end, I highly recommend, Archie, you watch The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which he's <laughs> never going to do. Uh, she is correct. Yeah. Um, but it is, uh, as far as sensationalism, and it's pretty accurate. They do cover a lot of the points in the case. She does have a boyfriend that does stay with her. She does have... Um, uh, a family that, that loves her and was willing to try anything. And Jennifer Carpenter is just fabulous. Laura Linney is also in it. That's the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah, she plays the defense attorney for the priest. Oh. Yeah. Um, so she's in it. It's it's just a really fabulous movie. And Jennifer was right when she sent me that VHS referral. She's like, you gotta watch this shit. And uh, I did. And I was like, God damn, you were right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that was the haunting, terrifying, perplexing case of the exorcism of Annalise Michelle. So, yeah, hit us up. Let us know. What are your theories? What are your thoughts? What are your beliefs? Uh, you can send us an email, or you can message us privately um, on Facebook, both H-O-A-H podcast, the each, the each mail. What? Each mail. <laughs> the electronic mail address is H-O-A-H podcast at gmail.com. Um... I will find some pictures to uh, put up for our episode extras. Um, we will put most of the the, the other pictures and, and some of the recordings. Definitely the BuzzFeed episode up on our uh, oh, website. For sure. 
for sure. And yeah, I'm yeah. so I in mean, love with both of them. I know they're amazing. They're, they're amazing. really amazing and funny. So um, yeah, it, it, disturbing content, absolutely for sure. A story that needed to be told, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So, uh, welcome back, guys. We are super excited to um, be back with you. And our two-week hiatus that turned out to be not much of a hiatus at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, we're, we're really glad to be back. And next week, we bring you a very uh, Archie-centric episode. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Oh. Um... Yeah, it's it's uh, maybe not as heavy as Alcatraz, but uh, yeah, Archie's part is going to be way bigger than mine. Oh, damn it. We are going to bring you the mm, history and the hauntings of the Hotel <laughs> Cecil in Los Angeles, oh, California. No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. Which has some crazy God. shit as recently as 2013. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. It's the hotel that um, American Horror Story uh, Hotel was based on. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing, scary hotel. God. Yeah. I, I no a couple people that. that have actually stayed there. Yeah. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> of course I do. Of course I do. Anyway, thank you guys so much. We love you. Please, please, please consider joining our Patreon. You can join at the $2 donation level or the $5 donation level. Uh, $2 donation level and all levels get a, um autographed woo, <laughs> thank you card from Archie and I, along with a History of Haunting sticker, a History of Haunting bingo card... We'll give you a shout-out as Patreon of the Week in an upcoming episode. Um, You also get early release episodes. Our episodes normally come out on Saturdays. All Patreons at all levels get the new episode on Wednesdays. And then everybody at our $5 and up level gets the blooper reel. They get our mini-episodes. We have covered uh, the Aoki Gahara Suicide Force in Japan, Versailles in France, we have also covered Povelia Island in Italy and the Island of the Dolls in Mexico. Um, as we said in the beginning, next uh, mini-episode, we're going to be covering Fort Bayard in New Mexico and the Dixmont State Hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, please, please sign up. $2 a month, $5 a month, more than that a month, whatever you want. Patreon.com at H-O-A-H podcast.com. Uh, please be looking forward to uh, our companion podcast. Sometimes people people suck, and sometimes people can't say English words. <laughs> and I'm one of them. I'm also your co-host of Sometimes People Suck, along with my mother, Nancy Hopper. We're going to be bringing you true crime stories every single week. We're flipping the script. Archie's going to be the live studio audience in some of these episodes. <laughs> and... and uh, that is it, Arch. Why don't you detail where they can find us on social media? Well, we can be found everywhere on social media at H at H O A H podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, that's it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that, that's it. And our website www dot at is it? The no, you don't have to say www.hoahpodcast.com. Yes. Thank you so much. We love you to bits. Have a good 
week. Week. End week. End week. 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 Weekend. Week. Weekend. Day. Day. Night. Whatever you're listening. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, we love you. Yes. And remember, words are hard. Sometimes people suck. And be careful and be safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Good night, guys. Bye. bye. I waved. I waved. You did. I said bye, and I, I waved. I know, and you're so adorable. I know. It's a radio show, and I still <laughs> fucking waved. Oh, for God's sake. Goodbye. This seems like a good place to end. <laughs>